Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Daniel Olam. We recorded this last week at his home in Puyallup, Washington. Before we get started, I just want to remind all of my banjo-playing listeners that I make a Clawhammer Banjo instructional series over at pitchforkbanjo.com. I currently have 165 highly produced videos up there, beat-by-beat tune tutorials, exercises, concept explanation videos, practice loops. I think there's even a nail care video up there. Everything you need to get started on the banjo or get to the next level with your playing. That's pitchforkbanjo.com. It's linked in the show notes. Happy banjo playing. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Daniel Olam. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What a sweet tune. Oh, yeah. What, what did we just play? Uh, Grey Eagle in the key of C. In the key of C. Yeah. yeah. Some people like a Grey Eagle, but C Grey Eagle, Grey Eagle <laughs> yeah, is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, when I was like uh, kind of first learning about old time tunes, I was like hearing like one one recording in C and another version in A, and I couldn't like... 
I couldn't reconcile the difference. I was like, what is going on? You know, I was trying to learn both and just feeling so, so confused. And yeah. Well, they, seem to, they lay so differently. Oh, yeah. On the instrument. They're and, completely different. Yeah, it's like a different, um, I don't know. Hearing someone speak in the same language, but a different accent mm-hmm. or something. I think you and I met at Clifftop mm-hmm. in 2017. That's what I think. That's right. Is that it? Yeah, great, great. And if I remember right, that was the Clifftop where I believe you competed in the Neotrad Mm-hmm. competition yeah and you were you were in that contest too, I, yeah mm-hmm. yeah with um with hunter walker yeah yeah um that was a good year that was really awesome and like it was inside at, in the because it was like raining outside so they brought the contest into the like the dance hall or whatever yeah that's the only time i've ever witnessed that happening mm-hmm. we've seen each other off and on since then somewhere along the line you moved to the pacific northwest Mm-hmm. But I think this might be like, is this like the first time we've seen each other in the Pacific Northwest? I think so, yeah. yeah I think we've tried to make it happen for a while. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm always curious about the mandolin's role in old time music mm-hmm. and uh, what it means to you to be a mandolin player in old time music and what do you see as the tradition or what do you see it as... Um, outside of the tradition, where are those boundaries for you? To what extent do they matter? Speak on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, definitely being a mandolin player is kind of a weird, a weird thing sometimes in old time music, at least. But for me, it was like, uh, I mean, I've been playing mandolin since I was a kid, and uh, and even though I was listening to like you know Nickel Creek and and that kind of stuff. Uh, like yeah, old time music, <laughs> old time music, right? Uh, but like when I was taking lessons, the the guy I was taking lessons from, we would just work on fiddle tunes, and then when I would go home, I would like play the fiddle tunes by myself, and like um, I would just repeat them over and over and over again, and I was like, this is great, this is totally cool, but like I didn't, but because I was listening to like all the little you know shred wizard guys out there, like Chris Thiele, I didn't realize that was a thing that people did. You thought it was just something you did to unwind that was unique to you as opposed to there's a whole genre and tradition. Like just built around playing the melody over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I'm not saying like, I didn't think like I invented it. I was just like, this is, I was just happy and content yeah. playing it. So I, I guess like that's, I mean, that's, that's that. Playing the melody is fun, but um, I think like in recent years since I've like got into the music more and showed up at Clifftop and like, had to figure out what jams to go into and this and that, you know. Uh, I think it just depends. I mean, I think the rhythm mandolin is, like, really cool and can add, like, um, a kind of subtle, you know, vibe to the jam. That, um, yeah, there's, nothing, there's no other instruments with this timbre or register yeah. playing rhythm mm-hmm. in an all-time jam, typically. Yeah. Yep, and I love, like, how you can use double stops in the background, and you can, like, uh, hit kind of, like, bluesy double stops for a moment that kind of... I guess the banjo players do that a lot, too, but... Yeah, in our own register, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's maybe a little bit more pressure on mandolin for when you're playing melodically in an old-time setting to transmit the melody 
maybe more exactly or along with the fiddle because you're in you're playing the same pitches like as the fiddle yeah right whereas like pitches. there's all this sort of um ego space with the banjo because it's an octave apart and you can mm -hmm. get a away with a lot of dissonances if they're over an octave apart mm -hmm. yeah i mean i you know i don't think you have to be like as exact with your melody but your timing has to be like yeah. right on because like if your timing it's so easy i mean especially for me you know i have this like kind of west coast attitude i'm like more laid back and whatever. are you from the west coast originally uh yeah, for the most part. Uh, yeah, but and and it's just kind of it's like a little more laid back. I feel like I have often I have like more of a I don't know like deek 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 sure deek, you know thing going on which doesn't which, which is lovely if that is the vibe yeah. and what people want to do. Yeah. I just enjoyed us doing that. It's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. But like if you're playing against a fiddler who's like you know. Wants to break right it on down. The, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it like can get kind of, um, it can get kind of confusing and like, it can kind of, uh, it can kind of pull back the whole jam a little bit. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anyone specifically talk about the importance of feel it, and how that intersects with literally like what pitch register you're in. Like... Mm -hmm maybe I can get away with certain kinds of like push and pull mm -hmm. because I'm in a different register than the fiddle. But yeah, I guess that it sort of makes some sort of intuitive sense that if you're, if you're pulling back on the beat and the, and the fiddle is on the beat or out ahead of the beat, that's going to, that's going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be a bit disruptive, which is maybe, maybe why you find ways to play some rhythmically. Yeah. And do other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it it depends. I mean, like, sometimes, you know, like, if I've been at a festival and, like, you know, playing supportive roles all day, and I'll, I'll get to a point where I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna, you know, do what I want and play the melody how it comes out and just go for it. And then, and sometimes, actually, that can, like, just having that energy about you pumps other people up, and, and some people like that. Yeah. But, uh, but then other people, like, they want, like, a crisp, a crisp and clean jam and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. So. People have needs and desires yeah. <laughs> and uh -huh. sometimes we meet them uh -huh. or exceed them or uh -huh. not yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um well i'm interested in uh talking to you more about old time mandolin code switching but let's play another tune okay what should we do next um well you want to try to do this wild horse yeah yeah i mean talking about trying to like play exactly with someone like uh you know I learned this tune from Rob Fong, yeah. and he is like a very precise player. And yeah, like, he's got really tight timing and um, tighter tone. Tighter tone, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> We're all fans here. Thank you. 
Oh, that that's a lot of notes. <laughs> it is a lot of notes. <laughs> I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I wanted to backtrack to when you were talking about your teacher. How old were you when you had your mandolin teacher? I was uh, 11. 11 years old. Why did you start playing mandolin at 11 years old? Well, uh... We had, uh, my family had just moved up to, um, Yakima, Washington, and, uh, I was really into, uh, Chris Thiele and Nickel Creek. I, even at the time? Even at the time, yeah. yeah. How, how were you introduced to that band? Well, my, my dad. And what is your... My dad's background is that, uh, he's always liked, you know, folk music and bluegrass and yeah. stuff like that, and he... We he plays guitar and he had a man he liked playing mandolin too, so we always had guitars and mandolins around yeah. when I was growing up, and I would get to play them and stuff, which was cool. Mm. But then when I was like maybe eight or nine, he brought home like a Nickel Creek CD and was like, "Hey, listen to this guy. He's playing mandolin." And I guess he kind of he kind of pushed me down that path a little bit. I yeah. Thinking. Do you think that? Do you think that like Nickel Creek was like his? style or is he like maybe this is a way to bridge like here's like a some cool young people uh, yeah it was definitely i think it was more the latter yeah i think it was definitely more because he yeah i think he was trying to find yeah cool young people that were playing the mandolin he liked the mandolin he thought it was awesome but yeah, um, yeah so that's kind of how that got started and so he, he was your the person who exposed you to yeah mm-hmm. uh at least the road that you went on to play what we were just playing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad loves music. He loves guitar, and so he would. He was always taking us to concerts, and uh, mm. and then when I got older, he would bring me to some bluegrass festivals and stuff like that. Did you ask for lessons? How did that conversation? I think. Go at, down? I think at that point, I I was asking for lessons. I mean, actually, like years earlier, I was like bugging my dad about teaching me guitar, and uh, and then it kind of turned into mandolin and stuff, but. Yeah, I think at some point, um, yeah, at some point they just realized I was excited about playing mandolin. So they... Do you remember what tunes your fiddle, sorry, your mandolin teacher, what fiddle tunes, do you remember what fiddle tunes your mandolin teacher taught you when yeah. you were first getting started? Uh-huh. Yeah, we, it was kind of interesting. This guy was from um, Minnesota and he had uh, all these kind of dorky arrangements of like, popular fiddle tunes and and also some polkas and shottishes and sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, in retrospect, that was really cool because I don't know any other kids that were like playing shottishes when they were in middle school, but yeah. I was working through these. I mean, and I wasn't, I, w- I love playing music and getting to do the lessons, but it, it didn't really speak to me as much as, um, you know, as fiery bluegrass tunes did or something like that. But that wasn't really this guy's speed. Yeah. He just knew tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And transmitted them to you. Well, we were learning them from sheet music. He had oh, books of sheet okay. music. And so, like, every lesson he would pull out a tune with sheet music and be like, okay, let's learn this. Yeah, interesting. So, definitely, definitely learned uh, via the sheet music. Although, one thing that was kind of funny was I'm, you know, I'm kind of half assed about a lot of things. And so, these tunes, I never really would like be reading them. You know, and I would just kind of like sure. interpolate stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the teacher sometimes would call me call me on it, but most of the time he would. We, you know, 
he'd be playing guitar backup, I'd be reading the tunes, and we would just play the tuning and be like, what do you think of that one? And I'd be like, yeah, that's good. And he was like, cool. And then we'd move on to something else. Okay. So he was, he was, I think he was more interested in like, um, keeping me, keeping me interested in having fun rather than like getting into the, yeah. the nitty gritty. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's great because some, sometimes I think that like reading sheet music can be like bad for you. <laughs> Obviously there are people who know how to, you have to be taught how to do it correctly, but, yeah. but like something about like the act of like sort of like leaning in and just like squinting and like while you're trying to like use your body, you're like trying to dissociate and like enter mm-hmm. into the page while you're supposed to be using your body to like make music. And, uh, I mean, that's why I like quit piano in, uh, like my piano, like performance degree in, uh, in college is cause I just like hurt myself just yeah. from all the, like, just, for, I think it's, yeah, just from trying to read music too yeah. much, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I feel like you gotta, you know, keep your body open and, yeah. um, it sounded like he was somehow able to like introduce music reading in a way that was really low stress, which is like the way stress. to do it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I was, I was really enthusiastic about the lessons. Although I also like, you know, there was a good while where the only time I played mandolin was like during that like 30 yeah. minute lesson. Yeah. So and I think he saw that, you know, sure. But, uh, well, sometimes, uh, teachers are just there to help you tread water. Mm-hmm. until you're ready to really pick it up again. Mm-hmm. What, uh, when did old time music enter the picture? I guess somewhere between your lessons and old time music, you were playing bluegrass music mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, um, well, one thing happened was like, I was working through a book that we had and, uh, I came across Seneca square dance, like a, an arrangement of that. And I just remember, like, playing that for the first time and just, like, I just connected, you know, I just, like, felt it real, you know, I played the chords and, you know, yeah. like, it's, like, a really pretty tune, but I was yeah. like, wow, that is the, that is the thing, you know, like, the, I, and, you're but, just like, this isn't a shot. <laughs> There's something about this. Yeah. Call yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah. But then that didn't really, that didn't really come back around, I guess, explicit. Well, I guess I didn't understand what old time was explicitly right. was until I was like maybe 20. Or you just 20 thought Seneca Square so. Dance was a cool tune. Yeah. As opposed to like, maybe this is yeah. cool because it's a part of this. And then for a long time, it was like, you know, everything was like all bluegrass. You know, it's like you have, you fiddle, you're playing like folksy stuff must be bluegrass you know? right um and so that 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 persisted for a long time and then sometime in college there i like started hanging out with these people and we started playing fiddle tunes and then we got into foghorn string band and that was all right yeah that'll do it so that was like yeah living in seattle and discovering foghorn and really got into that and then i went to weezer i went to weezer for the first time in college and that was a game changer. It was it's similar because, I mean, I just met all of these, like, really serious musicians who clearly were dedicating their lives to music. Um, varying degrees of, like, professional amateur, you know, yeah. whatever. But, like, everyone was, like, really serious about the music and really positive about it. And I just had, I never had seen anything like that. I mean, like, a fiddle convention. 
never seen anything like that until until that point. Yeah, there's something about that like enthusiasm that is contagious. Mm-hmm. And I think also something that's like unlocking because it's like when you're interested in something by yourself, you know, sometimes that can be enough. Mm-hmm. But when you see other people interested in the same thing, it's like, oh, I can invest in this and invest in other people and having a community at the same time. Because uh, it's like we all have activities that we do or interests that we pursue that are like maybe going to alienate us in some way from the people that we love. But then if you like find out that there are other people who actually want to do that too, it's like, oh, you mean I can like be around people and be doing the thing that I like the most at the same time? Mm-hmm. That makes me like like this thing even more. Yeah, yeah that, that was big too. I feel like in college, first half of college, I was like going to these parties and hanging out with people and like feeling kind of anxious, you know, and getting overwhelmed at parties and, you know, regretting yeah. it the next day and stuff. Yeah. And then I met, I started meeting like younger people who just like playing music. They wanted to party and play music, Yeah. you know, and play acoustic music. And yeah. I was like, you know, that was, was super contagious. Yeah. Well, what do you want to play next? Uh, well... Let's play this ragtime Annie. Oh, yeah.
What a cool version. I love that. Yeah. All right. Egg time, Andy. Yeah, it has just enough of the, like, sweet cuteness. But, like, something about going back to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really satisfying. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. So, I'm, I'm curious. When you got into old-time music, specifically, I guess, like, Foghorn sort of opened mm-hmm. opened up some possibilities, some non-bluegrass possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are... Who, who are the mandolinists um other than um Caleb Clotter yeah who, who are the mandolinists who like spoke to you who were playing old time music mm-hmm. who did you listen to who do you listen to now yeah uh, well I love Mike Compton yeah so it was like I was listening to Caleb Clotter I was listening to Mike Compton um I love Ella Haley's mandolin playing like, um, interesting. I don't know that I've actually heard her play. Man, she's she's awesome. I mean, so you know, she's on all those like Ed Haley recordings, like backing up Ed. And interesting. I guess I've only really heard, um, I don't know, solo, solo fiddle stuff. He has like a lot of solo fiddle sources, yeah. right? Maybe I just haven't heard the two of them play. That sounds great. A lot of, I feel like, um, of the Ed Haley stuff that's been released, there's like a handful of solo fiddle stuff, and then there's like a handful of like trio where it's guitar, mandolin, fiddle. But then the bulk of it is actually mandolin fiddle. Interesting. So that was like that was kind of um, when I first started was, uh, discovering that stuff. It was it was cool because you're like, this is the mandolin player in the situation doing the thing. Yeah, with um, kind of the old time fiddler. With the old time, <laughs> the old time fiddler yeah. Ed Haley. Yeah. And, okay. And then the other the other thing that I mean I love about her playing was, uh, I mean so when I was in high school, and college, I had like a you know a punk rock phase as many people do. Sure. Uh, and but I was also still taking mandolin lessons and playing the dorky shottishes and stuff. Yeah. And so there would be moments you know when I'd be hanging out by myself trying to like blend those two worlds together you know. And it just is a lot of just like, you know, that kind of sure. stuff. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, I didn't really record much music during that time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so like I kind of had that vibe a little bit. But then listening to what Ella Haley is doing is like super punk rock. Okay. She is slamming the mandolin, playing it so hard. And really simple chord changes, but her rhythm and her rhythm's like kind of straightforward. It's deceptively simple though. It's like it's really interesting how how she's like goes about it. So is she is she playing just quarterly the whole time? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she doesn't play melody. Huh. But she is like, um, you know, she's using her like upstrokes to follow along with the fiddle. Yeah. And sometimes she's playing like the rhythms with the fiddle and other times she's kind of like um, kind of counterpointing to them yeah. and stuff. So it, it, it's really cool. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I guess I haven't dug enough into those recordings. Maybe I should go get my copy of Stolen from the yeah. Bird of a Bird. Yeah. I, I didn't get one at the at Clifftop this year. I so. was I was really excited about that release. Yeah. And in the liner notes they write a lot about Ella Haley and they write a lot about how she's been overlooked and um 
that kind of, which is, you know, I've kind of talked to people about that for the past few years, but, uh, like, Greg Reich is a great writer, so he sets all that in much, much better terms. There is a lot of accordion, uh, a lot of Ella Haley singing and playing accordion on the release. Okay. Which is, because she was like a piano teacher, yeah. and she played accordion, and she played with uh, Ed on mandolin, you know. The, the release kind of shows like a, you know, more full picture of like how music was in their lives, you know? And yeah, not just an old time centric. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's awesome. It's really cool. Although I will say like, I can only listen to a handful of those accordion songs and there's like a couple CDs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because of your... Um your personal like capacity for accordion and singing music, or is it because of the specific performances that are captured? Uh, I guess it, it might be like a little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. I'm, I mean, I'm really glad. I mean, she deserves to have all that stuff released. You know, I'm like, I'm so glad it's out there and yeah. part of the thing, but it's just kind of funny. Cause I think that was like, that was a big part of their musical life. Like her playing and singing yeah. and like, I think it's it's been filtered out for a long time. Like yeah. all of the, you know, like John Hartford and all the guys who released the, I mean, they talk about this in the essays, but um, a lot of Ella Haley's musicianship got filtered out of those Ed Haley releases, but they were very much musical, you know, they're musical partners and yeah. um, huh. depended on each other for pretty much everything for a while. It seemed like. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, what do you want to play next? And then we should talk about Swan and Noah sessions. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe I should just, like, bang the mandolin for a while in the spirit of Ella Hale. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do Ida Red. Okay. Uh, what happens if I pop into some rhythm mandolin? I think that'll be fine. Okay. I think I can handle it. Yeah. I'll pop in a little bit. In the yeah. Channel your, your Ella Haley. Gotta channel a little Ella Haley. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. 
That's good, Ida Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is punk rock. The yeah, LA. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No chops. Yeah, no chops. Let the notes ring. Let the notes ring. Man, she has a, like a Sally Gooden that is just like insane. It's like, it sounds like the Ramones. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Yeah, I guess I should. Yeah, I guess I've slept on it. Shoot. Well, your new album, The Swan and Noah Sessions, Mm -hmm. is so lovely. Uh, I listened to it a bunch um, after I saw you last at Uh Clifftop. um, And uh, my band listened to it uh, while we were driving around Colorado. We're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. And we're like, that's that fiddly. That's that. You know, there's Rob. Um, And uh, we were having a great time. And especially enjoying all of the interludes oh, yeah. in the album, which are so lovely. How did you get the... Whose idea was that? Was that your idea to do those those interludes? Mm-hmm. Because I know that didn't um, Tatiana Hargraves like, yeah. produce the album. Mm-hmm. Um, those are lovely moments, especially the, like, the mandolin orchestra one towards the end. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was really fun. Um, How did that album come to be? It, you... Well, it was like I needed I needed an album with my face on it. It was kind of... <laughs> yeah. Because like, I, I played, you know, I've, I've made, you know, a number of, like, CDs and stuff. And it's usually, you know, supporting singer-songwriters and that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, and then I had, like, my own band for a while, and we made an album, and that was great. But, like, um, yeah, like, if people were searching Spotify or something. I wanted something to, like, come up that would have my face on yeah. it. Yeah, so. it's like... That was that was one desire, and then the other thing was um, I was living in North Carolina for like close to four years, and when it looked like I was going to be moving back to the West Coast, then it was kind of like, well, you know, I would like to. I had been doing some recording with friends up to that point, but it kind of was feeling like, you know, I want to like. Were those recordings made back then? Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting, and they just because you. The album just came out, right? It took a long time. Yeah. But... Well, that ha- that totally happens. Yeah. But... Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea. So that was like a little North Carolina swan song for you. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That was like a lot of those players I was like jamming with regularly. Um, some of them I lived with. You know, some of them were just like heroes of mine. Our heroes, you know. So it was just... And then, and then I had an idea that, you know, I, I wanted it to, you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, do some picking and that kind of stuff. But I also wanted it to be kind of like tune centric and kind of fiddle centric. It's just like a, it's a string band album. It's a string band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, and it, it, it very much feels like, um, old time in its, it's that sort of like. I don't know what the word for it this is, but the like transitional, like not quite mm-hmm. old timer bluegrass in the strictest sense, but in that that lovely sort of meaning in the middle, mm-hmm. um, especially all of the fantastic three finger banjo playing on the album. Yeah, so that's Derek Vaden. Okay, and he's a he lives in Asheville and um, he he plays a lot. I mean, he plays professionally. He's tours with a bunch of people, but um, he was a guy who like. I got to hear play regularly, and he just—he's insane. He's so good. Mm. And it was kind of that thing where, like, the bluegrass, the bluegrass community, and the old time community in most cities are like kind of distinct. There's some people who like 
we'll cr- you know hang out with both but like a lot of those people didn't know each other yeah. and huh. and so like in particular I was like wanting to rob Fong to play with Derek Vaden that okay. was like when I kind of first was like conceptualizing how I wanted this album to go down yeah. I was like well I really would love to have Rob Fong on it and then I also want Derek Vaden to be playing with Rob Fong and having that whole thing exactly. so that was pretty exciting but. yeah Okay, so this was there were a lot of reasons you wanted to make this album, and some of it was like you wanted to do some like matchmaking, <laughs> yeah, which uh-huh. is a great reason to yeah. make an album. I got uh, uh, Lindsay Pruitt, one of the fiddlers. Like her and Tatiana Hargraves had never met before, or they I don't know if they had ever played before. So that was like first yeah. meeting caught on record. Yeah, uh, they're like <laughs> twinning fiddles and stuff, and that was pretty sweet to hear them do that. Well, yeah, I love I love the record, and I'm. I'm glad you got it out there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just sort of assumed that you had just recorded it. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, it's kind of one of those... Well, I knew all the players were talented enough that we could do it. We could just, like, lay it down and then yeah. figure the rest out. So those... Yeah. Well, thanks for making time for us to do this today. Yeah. yeah. And what do you want to do for our last tune? Well, for the last one... Um, since we're talking about the Swannanoa sessions, what if we, uh, do you want to do, um, Wild Hog in the Woods? Yeah. PF? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay.
Visit DanielOlam.com to buy his newest album, The Swananoa Sessions, and to find out more about his other projects, I put a link in the show notes for this episode. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Make sure to follow my old-time trio, Tall Poppy String Band, on social media for tour dates and announcements. Check the link in the show notes for Get Up in the Cool merch and rep your favorite old-time podcast at the next Fiddler's Convention. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, with me and Maddie Hunt. We just started season 25. We've been doing it for a while now, and we're giving the music of Nirvana a trans-feminine reading, which might be the most accurate reading. So... Tune in for that. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.